A very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. My name is Matt Ellis and we have an exciting chat coming up for you in just a few moments. But before we do that, we will be reminding you to subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast provider. Plenty of them out there that you may be using, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, the Today's Tale website. They're just some of the places that you can find us and listen to the recent guests we've had. Guests like Leah Poulton, Graham Winter, Daryl Tuffy, Wayne Holdsworth. Plenty of interest out there in those episodes and today's episode will hopefully be no different to that at all. We have a big one for you. This man played 47 first-class games. 158 catches and seven stumpings, two first-class hundreds, both against his home state. Tim Ludeman is the man that we will be talking to, a man that you may remember from the player mic during the Big Bash, very popular on the player mic with his impersonations, and we're going to ask him about that and, and where his love of, of that skill came about, and that's an interesting one. We'll ask him about his passion for cricket and where that began his transition into the first class ranks at South Australia playing with the likes of Graham Manu we'll find out which bowlers he enjoyed keeping to the most as well and don't forget our most important question coming at the very end of the interview we'll find out the three people that Tim Ludeman would most like to have a net with so without any further ado it's time to sit back relax and enjoy our third episode for 2020 our chat with Tim Ludeman and it's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast Tim Ludeman thanks so much for joining us thanks Matt thanks for having me it's great to have you on the program Tim and uh, a You'd have a lot of fans out there from your work in the Big Bash and, and playing Sheffield Shield cricket for South Australia. But what we like to find out is, is how did your passion for cricket begin? Where, where did Tim Ludeman begin that love of the game? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, I suppose. It's one you don't get um, probably asked a lot these days because it's always about the Big Bash and, and other short-form cricket. But... Um, yeah, I, I grew up in a in a small country town um, down near Warrnambool called uh, Miranda or Nullawarri, and um, yeah, I suppose I was lucky lucky enough to to not have much else out there really apart from footy and cricket. So it was it was um, depending on the, the season that time of year. But um, yeah, cricket was always summer, and and then um, I suppose the real love for it came when I was oh, I would have been seven or eight, I suppose. And um, Santa Claus actually gave me a set of keeping gloves and pads. Um, I've wow. obviously shown a bit of interest in it before that, but um, yeah, that sort of started it all off, I guess. So you were keen on the idea of having the keeping gloves on from right back then? Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things, um, I suppose, uh, I think my uncle um, used to be a wicket keeper, um, okay. so I suppose I watched him a little bit and then, um, yeah, and then sort of become more and more interested as I got older and um, eventually... Eventually got into it uh, yeah, full time, which was nice. 
And so growing up in country Victoria, you mentioned the footy and the cricket being a, a big focal point of life there. Did you get into playing club cricket and rep cricket at a young age or did it take a little bit of a while for you to progress from just loving the game to, to, to sort of playing more formal kind of cricket? Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because like I was kind of, it's more of a district Miranda than a, than a town, I guess. So it was, it was a farming district. Um, so there wasn't a lot of numbers there. So I sort of started playing in my brother's, um, junior team, which was under 17s at the age of 11. Um, and then sort of, I was just feeling in batting 11 and fielding a fine leg and fine leg. And then, um, after, after I got the, uh, yeah, the keeping gloves and slowly got better at it. I suppose I started um, keeping and batting eleven, um, and that's probably how that all happened. But um, yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to have some good people in that way who um, I suppose helped me um, with my cricket, and then eventually started playing like uh, Dowling Shield and under fifteen bolters and things like that, representing the Western Waves um, in the Victorian pathway. Um, yeah, so I suppose I got exposed to some some pretty good cricket as a as a junior and. Um, one probably playing at a young age um, with my older brother, and then and then two probably playing a bit of senior cricket from a young age as well um, out in Miranda. Yeah, now having an older brother, I've got an older brother myself, and I used to love it whenever my brother's team was short and they'd let me go and get on the field. Were you just loving every minute of, even though you, as you mentioned, you say you were going fine leg to fine leg? Were you were you like a pig in mud being out there with your big brother? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I remember my first game. It was um, quite an interesting one because I was literally just filling in because they were very short on numbers and I actually had to borrow a pair of my mum's tracky pants. So I didn't even have white. I just had a pair of white tracky pants on running around. And, and then the game got quite close. Um, I come out of bat 11 and my brother had retired on 40 or 50. I can't remember what it was back then. But um, he came back out to bat. So I was actually batting with my brother. I think I got 11 not out. Um, wow! Yeah, batting with my brother at the end, trying to get us over the line. So it was it was quite interesting back then. You had to, you know, that well, my brother he was captain, so he had to tell the opposition to bowl slow to me because I was only a young fella. And I think after a little bit, when they couldn't get me out, and the game was sort of on the line, they started to think, "Well, fuck that! I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna bowl full pace." <laughs> so yeah, it was um, yeah, it was quite quite an interesting experience straight up, I suppose. And. And after that, you, your pathway into professional cricket, uh, growing up country Victoria, did you play any underage representative cricket for Victoria before you moved across to South Australia? What was that transition like? Yeah, I played, lucky enough to play a little bit. Um, I sort of, um, I suppose, tried out for all the all the pathway stuff coming through, um, but missed out on most of them. Um, I was always sort of in the last sort of 20 players, I guess, in the under-15s and 17s, but never quite good enough to make it, um, which I suppose um, for me was disappointing because I love cricket so much. But um, I suppose it was good in a lot of ways because I, I didn't get handed anything straight away, I suppose, so I had to fight hard to, to get to where I wanted to get to. And I, I suppose I had pretty strong beliefs that I wanted to play first-class cricket. So um, it was probably a good motivator and a good driver for myself. For myself. Um but eventually, I got my crack at that playing Victoria under nine, um, and yeah, played played that and, and did okay. Um, and then, and then I suppose the opportunity came up, um, probably a couple of years after that, to to go play in uh, South Australia. And any other players in that under nineteen group uh, go on and play first class cricket? Was, was it a was it a strong year for Victoria nineteens? 
Yeah, it was. It was a pretty strong year. We didn't win the, the tournament. New South Wales won it, um, but they had an unbelievably good team. But we had uh, Aaron Finch was the captain. Wow. Um, yeah, we had um, Sean Dean played a bit of second eleven cricket. We had Steve Gilmore who played a few games for Victoria. Um, I'm forgetting a few here, but yeah, we had we had probably I think there's five or six who ended up playing first class cricket out of that that year, I suppose. And finching another country boy as well. Was it good having another country boy in the mix? It was, yeah. I, I think we were probably lucky that year that it was there was quite a country boys who who um, who made the team. So I suppose that's probably why we came together so well, maybe, and, and played pretty good cricket. Um, but yeah, it was certainly certainly enjoyable enjoyable tournament. David Saker was our coach. Um, he was sort of starting his coaching career at that point, so it was pretty cool to. Um, to play under someone who, who's obviously gone on to do pretty good things in, in the coaching area. So, yeah, that was a good experience too. Now, you, you go across to South Australia, as you mentioned. Uh, Graham Manu's there at the time. What's it like going to a place like that where you had Manu at the time on the fringes of playing for Australia and eventually did play for Australia? Was that was that a bit of a lure to go and learn from someone uh, of his stature? Uh, definitely. Um, you know, Probably at that, at that time, I, I followed state cricket pretty hard because I obviously love the game um, a lot. And then, you know, you watch Graham Manu, keep, and he's probably one of the more pure wicket keepers that's ever played the game. So, to, to I suppose, get the phone call to, to, to get offered a contract to move over to South Australia um, with Jamie Cox. And then, um, yeah, it was something else I certainly wanted to jump at. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was quite a good... Um, a good fun period, I suppose, being his backup wicketkeeper and, and learning from, from one of the grass. And was it a bit of a step out of your comfort zone, having to move states, uh, not necessarily knowing lots of people there? Did you did you see it as a bit of an adventure or a bit of a challenge or a, a mixed emotions there? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting one because I suppose I'd, I'd always wanted to, to play the highest cricket I could and and I moved to, to Melbourne to university and to play cricket um, when I was sort of 18. Um, so I'd already made one move out of the country. So it probably made that made it a little bit easier. Um, but to go to Adelaide, I suppose I'd, I'd never been to Adelaide before and I, and I didn't know one single person there. So, um, yeah, to go over there was a pretty big thing for a little boy from the country, I suppose. And I'm a pretty shy kind of person. You, you probably wouldn't think it when you, you see me on the player mic or whatever, but I actually don't. Yeah, I'm not a, an overly out there sort of person. So, um, yeah, to go over there, it was it was a, it was a challenge, but it was I'm glad I did. It was um, yeah, it was it was a really good opportunity and and something you know I made some great friends over there and and really enjoyed my time in, in South Australia. And you eventually get your opportunity to play Shield cricket in 2009. And on debut, you make 62 with the bat. Can you talk us through the lead up to that game and then? Finally, being out there in the middle playing first-class cricket. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a funny one. It probably came a lot quicker than I thought. Um, you know, moving over there and, and being back up to Graham. Um, you know, you, you, normally you don't get too many chances. You sort of sit there and you just bide your time until until you know the right opportunity presents itself. But um, yeah, I think it was about a third shield game of the season. It might even be in the second. It was quite early in the season anyway. And um, Graham got a call up to a one-day series in India um, to play for Australia. So he went over there and, yeah, I think I played two or three Shield games in a row straight up. Um, and, and the first one being against Victoria, um, which was which was quite good fun. 
and a bit of extra emotion playing against your your home state. What what is it like being a Victorian making your your debut against Victoria? Um, yeah, it was an interesting one. I suppose you know you grow up um, in Victoria and come through the pathway system, but but that's the way cricket is now. It's um, you move for opportunity, and especially being a keeper, um, yeah. you know, obviously it's a it's a hard spot to to find a gap. So you got to go with a the opportunity presents and um, to play against those fellas, you know, they had a bloody, a bloody good team, a serious team at that stage. Um, so to, to come up against them first game was probably a good thing because you don't, you know, that's as tough as, as tough as it's going to get. First class cricket with the hard-nosed Victorians um, coming at you pretty hard because you've left your state. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty amazing experience and a good challenge. So there's a bit of chat out there from the boys. They, they made you feel nice and welcome. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of friendly banter. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's always that's always part of cricket. It's, it's you know it's it's always good. You um, you get tested in a lot of ways, and that's just one of them. So um, yeah, no, really enjoyed my first game. I was um, quite nervous. I, I, I remember not being able to eat my breakfast that morning. I, I was putting it in my mouth, but I couldn't couldn't physically swallow. Wow. Um, for whatever reason, I was just that that shaken up and that nervous. So, um, but yeah, that's all the noise of it. I suppose something that you put a not a pressure on yourself, but you, I suppose, you know, train hard and work hard to get to the point. Um, so you want to impress and make the most of it. And your time with the gloves, how did you find that? Was that a, was that less pressure than batting or did you, you feel that the, the keeping you were more hard on yourself because you wanted to do a good job with the gloves? Uh, oh, yeah, keeping probably always been a strong point. So it's, you know, it's something that's always come natural to me. Um, you know, obviously worked hard at it and trained quite hard at it, but I never really focused or examined it or picked it to pieces like you do your batting, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so it was probably something that just, just happens for me. Um, you know, you work hard during the week and, and you just go out and do your thing on a, on a weekend or in the, in the game. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite good fun, but I, I remember, I remember, uh, my first, it would have been my first dismissal. Um, Dan Christian was bowling and um, Anna McDonald was batting and he nicked one on about 50 and I dove sort of full stretch and caught it one handed low in front of first slip. Oh, wow. And uh, looked up and it was a no ball. Oh. And um, <laughs> Daniel Harris was at uh, first slip and uh, I remember him coming up and just patting me on the back and going, nice stop. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, quite funny. And then I didn't actually get my first dismissal until my second shoe game, about 60 overs in against Queensland. So I reckon I'd have to, I'm not sure, but I'd reckon I'd have to hold some sort of record for the longest amount of overs kept before your first dismissal. It would have been over 200 overs, I think, before I, I got my first dismissal. Might have to get the boffins onto that one to try and figure that one out. That's that's an, that's an incredible <laughs> stat. And... I was just going to ask you about your keeping. There's some some great exponents of uh, bowl, bowlers that would create opportunities for dismissals. 2012-13 was your best statistically, 45 catches and two stumpings that year. Um, and yep. you, you had different different bowlers that you've kept to, like Sayers, Putland, um, Nathan Lyon in his early days, you would have kept to him, Johan Botha, Sean yeah, Tate, yep. a, a whole list of guys. Who who did you feel you were most in the game with when, when you were keeping? Or is there a couple of guys that you, you, you really thought, I'm a chance here? Yeah, from a, yeah um, I suppose from a quick bowler's point of view, the two that stand out um, 
I definitely say as and Putland, as as you mentioned, Chad was um, unbelievable how how skillful he was with the ball. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe. People see the footage, but when you're in behind the stumps and you feel like something's going to happen every ball, even on a flat flat wicket, he's got an amazing amount of skill. Um, and at his pace, you could always stand up to the stumps too. So, wow, um, it was always it was always good fun keeping to Chad. Um, Gary was probably very unlucky in a lot of ways with his with his body. It probably cost him in the end, but he he's probably he probably you know when he was up and about was one of the the better left arm bowlers in the country. Um, so probably disappointing from his point of view that um, you know his body let him down on a number of occasions. But yeah, when he was up and about, he was he was very very good fun to keep to. And then, I suppose from a spin point of view, yeah, as you said, and a young Nathan Lyon, uh, when he was probably, um, you know, still learning the ropes, but um, you know, he's he was just as good then as he is now. Um, yeah, it was it was brilliant fun. And Adam Zamper as well. Did you have some time behind the sticks to him? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a, a fair bit of time behind the stuff to Zamps. Um, obviously, a, a quality bowler, especially in the white ball, white ball format. But um, yeah, yeah, he's. Um, his ability to change his pace and and um, yeah do two little variances with his subfies um, in his wrist was um, quite a credit to him I suppose for someone who's not naturally a big turner of the ball um, he certainly could beat the batters in a lot of other ways. And Sean Tate, did you get to keep to him when he was fired up and bowling some serious wheels, or did, like what was what was that experience like? It is quite an amazing experience. He's, um, I probably caught him back end of his state career, played a few one days with him um, yep. before he, he um, retired. But, um, yeah, played a fair few games at the Strikers with him. Um, and obviously, you know, the big crowd and when Tatey's up and about, um, <laughs> he certainly gets him through. So that, that was amazing fun. But it's, it's weird because everyone thinks that he bowls so fast. But when he's bowling so fast, you're standing so far back. You sort of have to just control yourself a little bit. You don't, you don't want to start skipping across somewhere when, the ball is just going past the batter because they've still got another 30 yards to travel. So um, you've got to be really disciplined and hard on yourself not to, to get too carried away. But, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and on the batting front, two hundreds, both against Victoria, a hundred not out where you stacked on the runs with Michael Klinger and then another hundred uh, against Victoria again later on where you, where you would have had a bit of time in the middle with Cal Ferguson. Uh, who, who are the guys you enjoyed batting with the most? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think I think those type of players are always fun to bat with because they make it look so easy. Um, but, uh, anyone who takes the game, I love batting with people who took the game on. So batting with someone like Mark Cosgrove or um, you know, even, even Johan Boter and myself, I think we had a few crucial partnerships when he was skipper. Um, we seem to have just click and run together between the wickets quite well um, and things like that. But uh, any time you spend a long period of the crease, it's good fun. So I'm not too fussed who it's, who it's batting with. But, um, yeah, certainly the guys who make it look easy, like your, your Fergusons and your Clingers, um, yeah, they're always always great fun. Now, uh, we'll, we'll switch into short format cricket here. R- really interested to know um, about your T20 debut, you actually make your debut at the Champions League tournament in India. Can you tell us a bit about that India experience? Yeah, it was um, early days, I suppose, when I'd moved to South Australia and um, we were lucky enough to do well in the 2020 format um, and Graham was, was wicket-keeping in that, but we went to two Champion Leagues. Um, so the first one was in South Africa 
And um, I was actually in the squad. I didn't play a game, but I was sort of a squad member. So that was that was a good experience. But then, yeah, the, the second year um, in India, Graham had retired. So I sort of stepped straight into it. Um, and that was quite quite unbelievable. Uh, you know, a boy from Naranda, um, sort of out in the sticks down near southwest Victoria in Waterville. And um, all of a sudden you're playing, you're playing in Bangalore against uh, Vera Coley and these sort of guys. Um, it was pretty pretty amazing. And just the whole India experience, was that just mind-blowing? Yeah, it's sort of one of those things. You you obviously learn here and read a lot about it, but then um, until you get there and actually see how much they love the game and and just live and breathe it every hour of the day, it's it's quite quite amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. Yeah, any any chance you get to go to India, I would highly recommend it. You know, I'd, I'd love to get back there at some point. And. Onto the big bash, the the one that stands out in my mind. I, I remember clearly watching it. The the must have been the first game of the season in Big Bash Four. Kevin Peterson's come to town. Everyone's excited about that, and you blast ninety two not out off forty four balls against the stars. Um, can you talk us through uh, the build up to a big bash season and what it was like executing your skills? Uh, right from ball one. Yeah, the build-up was always um, always brilliant. Uh, it was good fun as a player. Uh, any chance you get to, to play in front of a massive crowd, um, especially being a domestic competition, it, it's yeah, you want to be a part of that sort of stuff. And, and in the middle of the season, it sort of it broke up the Shield season quite nicely. So it was always an exciting time. But um, yeah, playing at Adelaide Oval with the Strikers was was some very very fond memories, just because that. Adelaide people just loved it. They just bought into it from day one, and you know the average crowds over there um, for a lot of years was probably close to forty thousand people. So um, to, to turn up, as I said, to a domestic comp and that every game, knowing that there's going to be a big crowd there and plenty of noise and buzz, it's, it's pretty special. Um, and I was probably lucky enough that game uh, to open up with Craig Simmons, who was a great fella and good fun to bat with because he um, he could give the ball a decent hit. Um, and we seemed to click quite well and, and that night it just sort of came off I suppose it's one of those things you get going and especially in 2020 you just you just run with it you just keep going um, so I, I was probably lucky enough to, to get on the end of the good side of it but there's yep. certainly the bad side of it as well but um, on that night it all worked Yeah 17 balls for a 50 and then 92 not out very impressive stuff indeed and and those two seasons BBL 0405 the strikers probably the premier regular season team minor premiers two years in a row any frustrations there that um that you didn't progress and and win a title in one of those two years when you'd play so so consistently well throughout both tournaments yeah uh, oh definitely i think anytime you you go out there you want to win and you want to win titles no doubt about that um probably just unfortunate um you know you come across a good player on on the different nights that um, can take the game away from you and and ultimately, that's probably what happened on those occasions. Um, you know, as you said, we were definitely the best team across the across the tournament. But the thing with twenty twenty cricket is, is if one player has a day out, uh, you know, on the, on that night, um, you know, they can they can single handedly win the game for them. And I vividly remember Usman Khawaja making a hundred and yeah. and um, taking it, well, ripping our heart out and taking it away from us um, in the semi at Adelaide Oval in one of those one of those games. So. Um, and that's, that's that's just how cruel the game can be at times, but that's why we love it. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, and then moving to the Renegades, you moved to the Renegades for BBL 07. Uh, what brought that about? Um, I, I, yeah, I just got delisted from the Strikers um, for whatever reason, which is which is fine. That's professional sport. And, yeah, um, yeah the, the Renegades um, gave me a lifeline, which is good, and I'm, I'm glad they did because it, uh, it was a good fun. And it was nice to go back to Victoria and play some cricket uh, in your home state? Yeah, yeah, that was probably one of the little boxes I wanted to tick, I suppose, from a personal point of view, was, was play some professional cricket in, in my home state. Um, so it was nice to get back and play in front of family and friends and things like that. Um, that was quite nice, and, and I, I've actually moved back to Geelong. Um, so I was living back here as well. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. Did you get much, uh, much time to see the likes of Sam Harper coming through? Was he there when you were there? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, that was, I was lucky enough. Um, Craig Victoria gave me an opportunity to be the wicketkeeping coach um, for a period of time, uh, a couple of years. So I worked pretty closely with, with Harps and Gucci, um with their Victorian and Sheffield Shield stuff um, in particular. Yep. So, yeah, I worked pretty closely with Sam um, throughout that period and obviously at the Renegades as well. You must be really pleased to see someone like Gotchi get his – first Sheffield Shield 100 and then back it up with another in, in the most recent game as well? Yeah, yeah, I was one of those things. Like, he's a, he's a very talented cricketer and always has been. So, um, you know, the guys who see him on a daily basis and see him working in, working hard and his club career performances and things like that, uh, they know he's capable of doing that. So it was probably only a matter of time and, and it has happened. And then once once you sort of, you know, get the monkey off the bat, off uh, the back, you can, um, you know, as we've seen, two in a row, it's, it's pretty good going and, and he's, he's a man of many talents, so there's no reason why he can't make many more. And, and just on the crop of keepers coming through at the moment, uh, is, uh, are there any particular players that you like the look of? Obviously, Alex Carey doing exceptionally well uh, in the white ball format for Australia. Are, th- are there any keepers where you think, well, maybe in a couple of years, if, if Tim Payne hangs the gloves up, uh, this person would be next in line or someone else or any, anyone you like the look of out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Tim Payne is a genius, um, so get that out there first. He's yeah, yeah. He's the best keeper in Australia. But, um, yeah, Alex Carey's obviously doing some good things and he, he's a really nice fella and drives a, a, a high standard. He's, he's a great natural leader um, and I think that's probably been noted by a lot of people since he's um, he's gone into the Australian system. But, um I think the one that's probably sneaking on the radar a little bit is Josh Inglis from WA. I, I really rate his glove work and his, and his batting. He's a he's a proper a proper keeper to me, which I like. He's got nice strong legs and um, really powerful um, with natural natural hands. So yeah, I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity and, and hopefully he can grab it because he's he's doing good things for WA and and I, as I said, I really really rate his glove work quite highly, which. Being a natural keeper myself, I suppose that's probably what I look for first. I don't, I don't look at the, the runs too quickly. That's yeah. certainly a factor, but yeah, I'm always looking at the glove work first. And the last thing on the Big Bash, one, one of the things, if you Google Tim Ludeman, uh, the first thing that comes up is you doing some impersonations and very enjoyable viewing for us at home watching the Big Bash. Uh, can you tell us what kind of brought that about in terms of when did you learn – that you could do the voices and what what kind of gave you the urge to do it during the commentary? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I get asked this one a lot now. Um, it's, it's one of those things as a kid when I was coming through, you know, when I was 
playing cricket at a young age. I'm a bit embarrassed to admit this, but I used to mute the TV and, and commentate myself. I always wanted to be a commentator when yeah. I was a kid as well. It was probably my two things I loved was uh, playing cricket and, and commentating football and cricket. So I would mute the TV and commentate for mum and dad from <laughs> you know, probably from five and six years old. So, um, And then in the end, I, I, I probably started trying to do it in other people's voices rather than my own. So that's probably how it started. And then you know, as I was growing up, I sort of added added to it every now and again. If I, I heard a voice that I thought I might be able to do, I'd, I'd have a go at it. And people would family normally and friends would give me feedback and go, yeah, that's, that sort of sounds pretty good. So I'd just keep working at it until I thought it was good enough to, to show off, yep. I guess. Um, and then I suppose from the big the big best stage, um, I think Damien Fleming was probably the first one who must have got wind of it and, and did um, ask me about it. Um, so I suppose that's how it started on the mic. But I guess from, from my point of view is, you know, you, you see people on the mic and they give you all the cliche stuff. I just wanted to show that there's there's another side to, to me, not just the cliche cricketer who answers like he's talking to, you know, um, you know, just got to say the right things and yeah. do the right things. Is actually, you know, I've got a, a bit of a personality as well. I'm not just a, a stick in the mud. I, I try and be fun and funny. So I just wanted to show a bit of a different side to, to me, I guess. And I was just going to ask about being on the player, Mike, um, and concentrating on the game and trying to, trying to do your job well, did you find it was a nice little distraction or, or did it put extra pressure on you? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't think it put extra pressure. It, it probably, wicketkeeping was a hard one because sometimes, you know, you get the little effects that come through the mic in your ear that, um, you know, rubbing on the microphone and things like that, but it's quite loud in your ear. So if you're trying to concentrate every ball and watch the ball coming, it, it, it probably it was quite distracting at times. So it was probably good that you had to really focus in and, and make sure you were concentrating while you were on the bike. Um, but the, probably the hardest bit is just the pack that actually goes on your back because as a keeper, yeah. if you roll over and, and land on it, it's going to do some damage. So <laughs> you got to, that's probably the hardest part of it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, just one last thing on, on your cricket and then I'm keen to ask you about what you're doing now. Um, you did play a two-day game against South Africa back in – October 2016 and and you made 167 not registered as a first class game or whatever but it was a pretty high quality South African attack you were facing how, how much does a game like that mean to you and sit in your memory yeah it was I suppose it was it was good fun um more than anything I, I hadn't played a tour game at that at that point and then to get the opportunity to play against South Africa um who were during that time, they're at their peak, I suppose. Um, they went on to actually beat Australia in that series um, on home soil. So um, to, to, to slog a few runs against them, um, yeah, it's something that I fondly remember. Um, yeah, it was a good challenge and good fun. And I suppose at that point, looking back, uh, when it did happen, I'd been dropped from the South Australian team, so I probably had a bit of a point to try and prove that I still had a bit of cricket left in me as well. Um, so it was probably nice to, to do it against that, that type of um, opposition. Yeah, outstanding. And now, now moving on to what you're up to now with your your coaching, you've, you've moved out of out of high level professional cricket and into um, doing some coaching. Are there, are there any coaches that influenced you that you're kind of bringing some of their style into how you go about your coaching now? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I've, I've probably been lucky enough to have a, a quite a few good coaches over the journey. Um, probably lucky enough 
um, during my early days to have a coach by the name of Ian Lefty Wright from from Warrnambool, who um, was sort of a stalwart um, in Southwest Victoria. Um, but he he sort of took me under his wing and he taught me the basics and fundamentals of, of cricket, in particular batting. So um, he was he was brilliant. Um, I had Stephen Field, um, sort of in the Cricket Victoria pathway system, I suppose, who who spent a lot of time and a lot of his own time um, helping me with my game, both keeping and batting. Yep. Um, and then probably once I got higher, um, I was lucky enough to have Darren Berry um, at Carlton Cricket Club, and then later on again in, in South Australia, who is probably a big mentor of mine, um, especially from you know a friend point of view and and from a wiki keeping point of view. I learned I learned a lot off Chuck. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the way he goes about his, his coaching and, and philosophies on cricket. And then um, probably more recently, um, when Andrew McDonald moved to South Australia to play, um, I probably didn't – I knew of him and, and, and met him a few times, but I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him, I suppose, in Victoria. So he um, he sort of moved over to South Australia, and I got along really well with him um, and actually lived with him in South Australia for a bit of a bit of time. And – Probably what I learned off him, um, and, and probably no surprise now he's doing so well, is, is probably the most I've learned in, in a period of time, a short period of time in cricket. Um, yeah, his, his knowledge of reading people and understanding the game from a strategy point of view and, you know, the, the emotion and the, the challenges that come with modern day cricket. Um, I think yeah. he gets his head around that really well. So to learn off him, um, has been, has been pretty, pretty special, I suppose, especially from my, my coaching. Development point of view, and and where do you see yourself heading? Do you have aspirations to move into full time professional coaching, or uh, what's what's life like for you at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so this year, I've actually um, coached the Geelong Cricket Club in the Victorian Premier Cricket Comp, um, which has been great fun. Um, you know, we're really lucky in Geelong. We've got great facilities and a great bunch of people, and it's sort of that the country town feel, I suppose. Um, yeah. And we've got a big breeding ground um, this side of the Melbourne Melbourne city, I suppose, or this side of Victoria. So that's been great fun. But um, I'm actually going to probably step away from the game a little bit uh, this or next season. Um, I'm going to, to give up the coaching for a little bit. I've got a we've had a baby um, and um, started a new job. So probably priorities have changed a little bit. Cricket's no longer no longer number one. So yep. um, yeah, I'll probably just have a little break and, and see what happens. But um, you know, coaching something I love and. I think I'll get back to it at some point. I'm only I'm only 32, so I think there's plenty of time left for uh, for coaching. That's for sure. And, and what's your work involved at the moment? Uh, I'm working with Richie Brother Richie Brothers Auctioneers, which is um, yeah, it's a Canadian uh, heavy haulage earth moving type company. Um, yeah, so it's been a bit of an eye opener to to get outside your your natural your natural or what you know, I suppose, um, yeah. cricket. So to be dealing with um, Big machines and um, you know dealing with that industry. It's been it's been really good fun. Actually, it's been a pleasant a pleasant change. Outstanding. Now we're we're about to wrap things up, and we'll, we wrap up with the same question with all of our guests. And uh, it's a bit of a favourite out there with our listeners who'd love to know Tim Luderman, which three people you'd most like to have a net with. They can be uh, current current players. They could be celebrities. They could be Anyone you like, living or dead, who who would you like most to have an hour in the nets with? Um, that's a very good question. I think I think first straight off the cuff would have to be Jack Russell. Um, obviously, yep. being keeping tragic, I am <laughs> um, to spend 
to spend an hour with him. It'd be pretty, pretty good fun. And I don't think I'd be getting him to throw balls. I think I'd rather throw balls with him and watch him catch. Yeah. Um, even even though he's he's quite old or older now. Um, so I think that'd be that'd be good fun. Um, it'd be hard to go past Sachin Tendulkar. Um, lucky enough to play it against him, and it was pretty good fun. So to spend an hour and just pick his brains would be would be pretty cool. Um, and then probably the last one, probably be um, Gilly, I suppose. Um, yeah, he's he's um, you know growing up watching him and how he changed the keepers the keepers game um, from a batting and keeping point of view um, to, to have an hour of him talking both keeping and batting and and his thought processes would be pretty good fun. Yeah, that sounds outstanding. Jack Russell, a bit of an artist as well. He's pretty good with the paintbrush, isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, um, yeah, I believe he's very good at it. Yeah, I think I've seen some of his, his work online and, um, yeah, great gloveman for England back Back when I was growing up, I remember watching him play as well. So three three great gets there, Jack Russell, Sachin Tendulkar and Adam Gilchrist. That would be absolutely outstanding. Well, thank you so much for taking up some of your time on your Saturday, Tim, to spend with the Cricket Library podcast. I, I really appreciate it and I'm sure our listeners do as well. And we wish you all the best with a young family and uh, life in the future. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Cheers. A massive thanks to Tim Ludeman for joining us on this edition of the Cricket Library podcast. What a great story. Growing up in country Victoria, getting his first taste of cricket, playing, running fine leg to fine leg in his brother's under-17s team as a youngster. That 11 not out he made in, in that game. And then, of course, Santa Claus delivering the goods, as he often does. Some wicket-keeping gloves under the tree. A fantastic story, that one as well. Playing with Aaron Finch, captaining him in the under-19s for Victoria. And that move to South Australia, what a move that proved to be, heading over there and learning from Graham Manu, who was one of the most pure wicket-keepers of his time. So a a tremendous story going into first-class cricket, having the opportunity to play at that level and... Of course, his time in the Big Bash on the player, Mike. I was interested to hear about that. And and I can just imagine him commentating games on the TV when he was growing up. I think a lot of kids would probably do that. I know that's something I was really interested in as well when I was growing up. Hearing about some of the bowlers that he liked to keep to as well, some good ones in there, that's for sure. Sayers and Putland, the two prominent ones back in the day for South Australia but some other big names as well Nathan Lyon, Sean Tate among others and what about that net session Tendulkar, Jack Russell and Adam Gilchrist what a wonderful time that would be for everyone involved there well it's time for me to say goodbye before I go please make sure you take the time to subscribe to the Cricket Library podcast. Share this episode with your friends on your social network so we can get word out there about what we're doing. Hope you've enjoyed this one as much as I have. And we very much look forward to bringing you some big guests in the future. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library podcast. Bye for now.